Hello and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. goodness, it certainly has been a long time since I've been here, but I'd love us to just take a moment, catch our breath. So just put your hands out before God. And we love you. We love you, Lord. A friend of mine called Pete Gregg who says this, recenter your scattered senses. And so much happens in a week, doesn't it? And so let's just bring every part of our senses back together. And uh, Lord, we want to be expectant, not just to hear what I have to say, but what you want to say to us. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Thanks, Jesus, so much that you said, I've got to go so that he can come. That's amazing. We love your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you promise you'll never leave us. You're not going to forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that you love us when we get it all right, when we get it a little bit wrong at times. Thank you that we're your kids and you're so committed to us. I just feel almost like God saying, hey, forget yesterday. It's gone. This is a new day. And my grace and my mercies on you today. And receive those grace, that grace and that mercy. We sang that song, your goodness is running after me. How ridiculous is that? Doesn't say your judgment's running after me. Doesn't say your correction is running. It says your goodness. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And so we receive that goodness beyond the fickleness of what we might feel, or what our minds are telling us. We open our hearts. King of glory, please would you come in. Thank you, Lord. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Let's sing that. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. And again, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. We receive that. Just had the picture of the father in the prodigal son story. But he was looking out for his son. Isn't that amazing? Had no idea when that son was going to pitch. But he was constantly looking out. And God is looking out for you today. Just feel some of you guys need to hear that. That he just loves you. 
with some kind of gooey, you know, love, although it can get gooey at times, but just with a strong and committed love. And here's what he does as we run towards him. He runs towards us, and just like the prodigal son, he puts a ring on our finger, and that speaks so much of covenant. He puts a robe around us in spite of our dirtiness. And then he puts sandals on our feet so that we can walk on that highway with him. Isn't that amazing? And then, guys, he prepares a feast of feasts. It's not what I'm speaking on this morning. I just feel that prophetically God wants to say that. Do not allow yourself to just dwell on prodigal. Move to son. Sons and daughters. Sons and daughters of the Most High. I enjoyed meeting you guys the other night. And I just sense for both of you that God would say, you're a tall man. Well, next to me, everybody's tall. But you're a tall man, but God wants you to see above above situations, be able to engage with the greater things. And I think um, you've, been, you've been needing some insight or um, an opening up of some stuff in the work that you do. And God says, actually, I'm giving you solve for your eyes, but not just natural solve, but solve for the intellect that you're going to get it. And uh, I just, there's such a, a Daniel moment over you. And God says, my anointing for you for such a time. As this. Debs and John, I just love the way you went running up the stairs to say hello to me. And I just, you know, I know there's been so much sadness in past days, but God would say, actually, this whole thing of heaven touching earth is very close to the two of you. And I think there's a real uh, favor and blessing, even greater favor and blessing coming upon your design. Debs, and what you will design. There's just, and people will come to you actually to do stuff. I see almost like businesses coming to you and saying, please, can you design stuff for our team and our people? So I don't know what that means, whether I'm just off the wall here, but that's what God would want to say to you. Are any of the worship guys in the building here, or if they're all gone out to go and have their coffee? Only you. How's it? I just loved your playing this morning. But I loved, there was a moment where you were, when you were playing and you just started to sing. And I just, I want you to know this, that God just went, that's my boy. That's my son. That's my boy. That's my son. That's my boy. That's my son. The gentleman over there with the hat. Oh, I felt God say, you are a cracker on that guitar, sweetheart. I used to play. I don't play that much anymore. In fact, not at all. Um, but I, I just felt that there are sounds you're going to create that are going to unlock stuff. You've walked a tough journey in years gone by. And I don't know what they're all about, but I felt God say, I looked at your white hat. I felt God say that he's, he's, he's going to give you that kind of ease of mind that your mind's going to be okay. But I, put, I saw him take off that hat and put a crown on your head. And that, whenever there's a crowning, it's a, a position and an authority that comes with that. And so go for it, sweetheart. Take ground. You're an amazing young man.
Yay for us. Some of you are going, oh, don't let her look at me now. And some of you are going, yeah, pick me, excuse me. <laughs> you always have the both. But she has the good news. God wants to speak to each one of you as individuals, as kids, you know. And I think there's lovely when, when I can impart stuff. I love that. But I tell you, I don't know if you like this. I love it when God speaks directly to me. Don't you love that? When you're just kind of hanging out with him and he, he says a word to you and you kind of go, oh, yeah, that's God's word to me. So let me introduce myself to those who don't know me. I'm on a journey of discovery of myself as well. Um, but my name is Lynn. I'm originally from South Africa. In fact, from KwaZulu-Natal, grew up in Maritzburg, Hilton area. But I now live in Manchester in the UK. But I come out here regularly because I oversee a charity called New Day United that is based down in Cape Town. Um, to explain exactly where we are, um, as you're coming from the airport, uh, the first turn from the airport going into Cape Town is called Dana Fontaine. I'm sure you've all seen it and kind of gone, what an amazing name. But anyway, um, we, we go off um, on Dana Fontaine and we work in Tumble Village, Guguletu and Manenberg. And uh, it's tough out there, but we love it. We absolutely love it. And I just want to tell you a few stories about what we've been doing. So actually, New Day was conceived seven years ago. And I remember us kind of talking it through and, you know, am I bonkers here? Have I really hit a midlife crisis here? you know, to do something like that because I'm so young. Um, you know, and to start something like this, you're thinking, cheapest. Is this right and good? But I'm going to just tell you a few little stories about what has happened with us over the last little while. And I was saying in the first service, which is so true, have you ever had those kind of friends who go, you know, we've just been on holiday? And you go, oh, that's lovely. And they say, we took loads and loads of pictures. Would you like to see them? And you kind of go, yeah, that'd be great. Is 7,544 pictures we're going to take through. And you think, Jesus, take me home now. So I'm not going to do that. I just want to tell you a few stories. So if we can have a look at the first slide. Thank you. So in December 2021, we were given some land next to a high school. Two lots of land. So that one there with the kind of um, poly tunnel that doesn't have a roof yet. And the one next to it. And I remember phoning around every Friend I had trying to find a tractor and a plow. I couldn't believe that I was going into farming and we couldn't find any anything. But we're working with a local community called the CWP, the Community Workers Program. And they said, don't worry, Mama, we will dig up this land. And I'm so glad they're still calling me Mama instead of Goko. I'll be devastated when that day comes, but it's coming. And so in January, they started, you know, December, all the way through all the heat, did all the work. January, they started planting seeds and we were walk, uh, watering it with a sprinkler because that's all the money we had. And in April, that was our first harvest. Incredible. And so we're feeding local um, soup kitchens. People in the community are getting veggies. We've had some Nortis Gabengas who've come in and stolen stuff from us. And they get so cross, the guys. Who, and I go, it's okay, guys. We'll just plant more seed. It's all right. 
They're stealing food for goodness sake, you know. Let them have it. If they need it, let them have it. And so that has been so exciting to be able to collaborate with the local community. Thanks. And then the other thing is, sorry, there was some writing I forgot to put at the bottom there. The other thing is that we have um, a after-school program called Schluma, which is Tosa for Prosper. And one of the things that we do are robotics and coding with our kids. And our kids were invited. These kids live, a lot of them live what they call hockeys, uh, little corrugated iron uh, homes. Uh, these kids are our brightest of bright, and they were invited to write programs to check the humidity on a space station. Incredible. And so these are them talking to the astronaut. Um, and it was, it was an incredible, I am so, so proud of these kids. Many of them facing the most abject and intense stuff. And then we've also got, I've got a lot of other programs that you can look at, but our sewing program. And a few months ago, we got a, a phone call saying some people wanted to donate material to us. And they donated 2,300 meters. And so, you know, what their, our, our sewing uh, community went, Mama, what do we make? I said, I don't know, stuff, because I don't sew. And so one of the things we insist is that they make tracksuits, which we give away to the local school, and, uh, and then they're allowed to make clothes and various things that they can sell. So it's wonderful. There are lots of others. What, those are our, our sort of major stories that I wanted to share with you. And then this is a lovely picture that a friend of mine drew, of the area that we work in. So full of life, full of color, full of Jesus, lots of stuff of Jesus going on. And so, um, yeah, it's, as I said, it's really good to be here. And my notes have all got out of order. So just bear, bear with me while I sort them out here. But um, this last little while has been intense and I have longed to get back here, but of course couldn't do that. Um, and for many of us during the time of COVID, you know, we either had COVID or we lost loved ones to COVID. And there was lots of isolation, lots of fears, lots of anxiety. What the heck is going on in all of this? And there was quarantine and all the rest of it. But I do believe that God actually allowed this time, this quieter time. But I do feel that we are now and I'm not just saying it because it's a buzz thing to say. I do feel that we are in a season of rebuilding and restoring. And church is going to, it's not going to be the same. Get ready for even more of God's interruptions and God's grace and God's glory and God's miracle moments to come. Not just to this building, but to you as individuals. And so as I started to look at this whole realm of rebuilding at the beginning of 2022, I felt myself going to the story of Nehemiah, which I'm sure many of you have read. And I love the book of Nehemiah because it's his journal. He gives us this account of what is happening. And I love journaling. I journal regularly. And my niece has often said to me, Auntie Linnea, I really wanted to read your journals. I said, there's not a hope, sister, until I die. Then you can read them. 
But by that stage, I would have gone through them and shredded what I don't want anybody to ever know because there's a lot of information in those journeys, journals. But Nehemiah over here in this story um, that we're going to look at this morning is just he has this intense burden to see Jerusalem rebuilt and restored. And Jerusalem, that word Jerusalem means the city of peace. And so he gets this commission that not only comes from the king Artaxerxes, but also comes from the king of kings. And God is about restoring and rebuilding his kingdom. It is not over yet. It is a kingdom that is coming into being every minute of every day. And here's the incredible privilege. We get to play in the garden. We get to be a part of what God is doing. And the amazing thing is we look at the story in Nehemiah that Nehemiah just didn't do it independently. He did it alongside people. And I want to speak to those who are online. I love you and yay for you watching. And I don't know why you're not in the building with us. But I want to encourage you, do not just do church alone in your jammies at home. Yes, I see you in those jammies. Don't do it. We need one another. We need one another. We need to see one another. We need to communicate with one another. We need relationship with one another. And so we're never called to build alone. Not even the Trinity builds alone. There's three parts, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and we are invited in as sons and daughters. But whenever there is rebuilding going on, whenever the kingdom advances, there will always be opposition. And we've got to be alert to that. The enemy always wants to stop us before the task is complete. Always. He's always looking for ways to directly intimidate and slow us down or indirectly. And we've got to be those who watch, I believe, the greatest battlefield is here in the mind, between the two ears. And so as we are rebuilding, we've got to watch who we listen to and we've got to watch what we listen to. We've got to watch who we listen to And we've got to watch what we listen to. And so I'm going to take a few minutes now to just read a bit of Nehemiah's journal. It's found in chapter 6. If you know where where Nehemiah is in the Old Testament, it's about page 467. Or you can follow over here. And it says this. And when the the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, they were the nasty boys, by the way. That was what their band was called. And the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the walls and not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time, I'd not set the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Geshub sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plains of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project 
and cannot go down. And why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. Then, the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported on CNN and amongst the nations, and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, According to these reports, you're about to become their king. And you have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about me in Jerusalem. There is a king in Jerusalem. Now, this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. Cheeky. Oh, won't you, Edward? I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. Let's say this last line together. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Let's say it again. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Can we say it one more time? So good. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. What an incredible story, isn't it? And what I want to do is just unpack the Word of God. I love unpacking the Word. So it's a bit of a Bible study, but I hope we'll have fun doing it. And so here we have this amazing good news story. People have gone with their trials in one hand, swords in the other, and they've started to build. 52 days it took for those walls to go up. Go up. Amazing. Walls are up. Good news story right there. And I want you to know whenever there is a good news story, it gets the attention of people. Always. And you will find there will, be, there will be those who will cheer us on. And I'm sure we've all had that. Cheer us on. They're so delighted for us. It's the best thing that happened. And then you have the others. Anybody ever had those? Those who are contentious. Those who want us to fail. So you have people that are for us and that you have people that are against us. One of the things I asked myself when I was putting this together, how often do I fall into the category of those that I want people to fail rather than succeed? See, I love it when everybody's telling me I'm going to be a, a success, but I wonder how often I do that to others, cheering them on. And so in verse one, we open with these words, I'd rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Sounds amazing. Though up to that time, I'd not set the doors in the gates. Amazing, amazing feat. 
But here's the important thing. The work was not finished. It wasn't quite safe yet. The doors weren't up. There was still work to be done. And in John 10, verse 7, Jesus says this, I am the door, and by me if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Isn't that so? But the enemy here, and this is what I want you to see from this, the enemy is always looking for ways, always looking for ways to distract and debilitate. Especially when we've got the program going, it's looking good. He doesn't want the door to be in place. He doesn't mind the building. He doesn't mind all that's going on, but he hates it when it's finally secure because Jesus is fully in place. And so in John 10 verse 10, it says, the enemy comes to rob and to kill and to destroy. And we have a very vicious enemy. And so what happens is these three guys, Sanballat, Tobias, and Geshem, plot. And so there is this friendly, so-called friendly invitation that comes to Nehemiah. Hey, listen, come and meet us on the plains. You are doing so well. But take a moment, just chill out, relax. And I couldn't have thought of a better name than this. In the plains of Ono. The plains of Ono, come on down, come on down to the plains of Ono. And Nehemiah says this, but they were scheming to harm me. And in the Greek, it's these words, they were doing mischief. They were out to kill. They were out to to destroy. And my question to you is the same question that comes to me. What invites are coming our way that we need to have the power to say, oh no, oh no, I am not going down to the valley of oh no. Hey guys, come down to the valley of oh no. Oh no. Let's try that again. Hey guys, come down to the valley of oh no. Think of your world. Think of the business you're in or the family situation or anything else that's going on. Come down to the valley of Ono. Oh no. Oh no. And so Nehemiah doesn't buy into this whole thing. He will not respond to the so-called glorious invitation because he knew that they were planning mischief. And in verse three, he responds with this and he says, I'm carrying out a great work. Would you mind just putting your hand on your heart and saying, I'm about a great work. I'm about a great work. You see, the enemy comes, wants to bring us down to the place. Oh, your work isn't that great. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. You're about a great work and I cannot go down. And why should the work stop while I leave and go down to you? And so here Nehemiah is saying, I cannot and I will not go down. The important thing to realize is that God always says, come up here. Come up here. The enemy wants to always bring us down 
to the lowest denominator. And we've got to watch this. And I'm not fascinated with the enemy, but I want to be informed of his tactics. I want to know what kind of battles I'm fighting. I don't want to be ignorant because ignorance is not bliss, beloved. And so here the enemy comes, these three guys, and then they, they don't give up. They go for it four times. They were trying to wear him down. I wonder how many of us have got so exhausted because the enemy just keeps coming, just keeps coming, just keeps coming. But it says this, Nehemiah did not change his statement. George, can, I, can you come up here for a second? I just felt God wants me to do this. You don't mind if I just push you around for a minute. I honor and respect you. You could, I listen to that. You can try. <laughs> but here's what the enemy does. He says, hey, George, come down to the Valley of Ono. And George replies. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's so cool, isn't he? But it says here four times and more. So what the enemy does is he changes his tactic. And he goes, okay, I can't push this guy around because he's, he's quite strong. And then he does this. He just leans in on us. Anybody ever had that? Just leans in on us. Sorry, brother. But this is what the enemy does. He leans in on us. And maybe some of you are feeling like this, that God's lean, uh, the enemy's leaning on you. But here's an important thing, apparently, that psychologists have said, the best way to deal so you don't become an Infatuated with this or me is you lift your eyes and there's even more strength thank you brother that rises when we say I am not going to come down four times I cannot and I will not come down and so the enemy increases the pressure and so we read about that he says an unsealed letter was sent and in that unsealed letter, I, I, this is, I mean, it's so 20th century. It says, we, you know, we're going to accuse you of treason, that you're doing this, that you want to set yourself up as a king. And by the way, it's true because Geshem says it's true. <laughs> I wonder how many Geshems you've had in your life. I know how many I've had in my life. Oh, no, I saw it on YouTube. Must be true. Or I read it in the newspaper. Must be true. And here there's that unsealed letter that comes. In this world that we live in, one of the biggest unsealed letters we've got is social media. And I love social media. Don't get me wrong. I've got 4,000 something very close friends on Facebook. Hysterical. But I am very particular that I will not just put any old stuff on that Facebook page. I will not have an unsealed letter and I will not allow unsealed letters. I won't send them and I won't receive them. And beloved, you and me, we need to be those who are not just opening up the unsealed letters that come our way, that are filled with gossip, that are filled with accusations, that are filled with tripe, a lot of them untruths, untruths. 
And all they are is that they are trying to intimidate us and they're trying to take our focus off the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, don't get angry with me. I'm just telling you what Nehemiah says. Well, sort of. And so we need to watch what we read and we need to watch what we post. Please, I appeal to you. I find it so disturbing how some people can put anything on. The Bible says if we have anything against one another, go to that person, sort it out. Don't send an unsealed letter because Geshem says so. Let's watch that. And here's the important thing is that in verse eight, Nehemiah refused to take the bait. And he says this, nothing like what you are saying is happening. This is not a truth. You are just making it up out of your head. We are called to have brilliant thinking. We are called to have the mind of Christ, but we are called to live from the Spirit. And so what is so important for us is that we do not buy into low thinking. If anything in this season that I'm in, I refuse to go with low thinking. I want to have God thinking. I want to know what the Lord is saying. I want to take captive every thought. And in 2 Chronicles, it says we take and we demolish every stronghold. And we bring ourselves to subjection of Jesus Christ every morning. And so every morning I wake up, first thing I say is, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm a good Anglican, on earth as it is in heaven. And give me this day my daily bread and forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me and lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power, you can join in, and the glory forever and ever, starting now, amen. What a powerful prayer that Jesus teaches his friends. And so we've got to be those who take captive every thought and don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Don't allow the enemy to come and mess with you. And then in verse nine, it says this, and they were all trying to frighten us. When we open one door to the enemy, he wants to always surround us and make us think that we're losers in every area of our lives. But the Lord says to us, I have surrounded you and your goodness is running after me, running after me. And here he says, they were trying to frighten us, coming from all sides. And they were thinking, so here's the low thinking, their hands will get too weak for the work. And it will not be completed. One of the biggest things I'm hearing, and I have the privilege of traveling to many parts of the world, I am so exhausted. Everywhere I'm going, I am so exhausted. Now, don't, don't get upset. If you're feeling exhausted, that's okay. But strength will rise when you wait upon the Lord. 
The Lord does not, beloved, give us a spirit of exhaustion. He doesn't. And we have to be those who go, God, what is causing me to get so exhausted? What have I bought into? What, have I, what, are, what are some of the things I need to get rid of? What are those things that I need to change? Even though I'm tired, Lord, I am not going to be taken down because I'm about something beautiful for you. And then Nehemiah moves into the right place. He says, but I prayed, but I prayed. You will often have heard me say this when I've spoken before. Every decision I make determines the direction I walk in and the destiny that I reach. But I prayed, God, strengthen my hands. He trains my hands for war. Not just the physical hands. Strengthen the hands. Strengthen the inner man. Make me know your strength. Fear always shrinks faith. Always. And it weakens our hands and we begin to lose our grip. But nothing prompts faith more than the promises of God. And the promises of God are found as we begin to seek His face as we begin to pray. And pray is not a religious activity. It's for every single one of us. And 1 Peter 5 verses 8 and 9. Are you still with me? Yay. I just thought I heard somebody snoring. No, I didn't. (laughs) 1 Peter 5. Peter says this in the Passion Translation. He says, be well balanced and always alert. Because your enemy, the the devil, roams around, look at that word, incessantly. Incessantly. He doesn't look and go, oh, shame, you know. She's having a bad time. I'll just leave it for today. Incessantly. He roams around incessantly like he isn't the roaring lion, looking for its prey to devour. I am not going to be a victim of the enemy's plans. I am not going to be devoured. And here it is. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack. Wow. With strong and vigorous faith. And beloved, strong and vigorous faith comes from relationship. Ah, my dad's bigger than your dad. Pretty much. That's what's being said here. And we need to learn how to pray. Mark Batterson, amazing man of God, says this. Prayer is writing history before it happens. Prayer is writing history before it happens. Prayer is writing his story before it happens. I love that. That's why I pray, Lord, I want your story to be written. In 2021, last year, in August... Um, I was able to come out to South Africa and be a part of our team, with our team. We'd started opening up our programs, but I knew that I would have to go back to London and go into one of the quarantine hotels. Anybody been in one of those quarantine hotels? It is hell on earth. Seriously. Some of you go, oh, great. A hotel for 10 days. No, you can't move. You've got to stay in there. You're allowed a 20-minute walk a day. I just thought, I don't want imprisonment, ministry, God. I just, just don't. I don't want to go to prison. 
But I had just arrived and my phone rang and it was one of my colleagues. And I said, hi, Lizanne, how are you doing? She said, I'm fine, but Lynn, she said, there are armed men in the building and it's hectic. And then the phone went dead. And I knew that there were men and women and kids. I knew there were families in that building. And I just had this little bit of information. Beloved, this story, I've had to live it. And I could feel myself growing weak. But I felt the wraparound love of the Lord. And boy, I hit the deck. And I bawled my eyes out and I prayed. And I reminded God of His nature and His character. I reminded Him of His goodness. And I, I eventually prayed this prayer. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will not have anything else but your name on my lips, whatever the outcome. It was, it was not a fun time. And a few hours later, I got a phone call saying they've made off with all our computers, but nobody's been killed. They were roughed up a bit, but nobody was killed. An incredible thing was Sia Khaleesi heard about this and Rachel. What a great guy we've got in our rugby team. And they immediately sent some counselors to be with us, to help our guys, to give them some trauma counseling, to just be able to be there for them and love on them. And then an amazing trauma counselor in Cape Town said, I'm going to give you one Thursday a week for a month, every month. And she's still with us. We've seen God's goodness in practical ways and both spiritual ways. I said to my team, what held you? I said, we prayed. We prayed and we prayed. And one of the guys in, our, in, the, in the team who used to be a gang member said this to me. He said, amazing. He said, and you know what? He said, all the times that we've prayed, I now know it's real. I now know it's real because I saw God's coming through for us in that. And a few months later after that, we were just starting to get out on our feet again. And one of our dear little kids was murdered by gangs. We have lots of gangs running where we work. His name's Sanawu. And once again, I could feel myself just getting weak. But I prayed, now, Lord, strengthen my hands. And it's been incredible to see how God's begun to turn this around. The local community, we didn't run away. They are with us. And suddenly I understand what many of my brothers and sisters are going through on a daily basis. I understand now. And it's incredible to see we now have local people who stand at our gates, guard our gates every day in the wind and the rain with their nobkiris and pangas. And I just go, oh, Jesus, help me. We'll keep you safe, says the one guy. An old man, Tata, with his nobkiri. He says, I will kill them. I said, please don't. Just keep us safe. Just keep us safe. And the police have suddenly started to give us attention and look after us. We've got this lovely lady called Captain Tommy who pops in and says, she's our Tommy. The amazing, amazing Tosa lady. Love her. 
We've had the mayor of Cape Town come and visit us. How's that? I wasn't there, but the rest of the team were. Favor. Are we still facing battles? Absolutely, because the doors are still got to be put in place. And so we've got to remain alert. And so in closing, I just want to give you four little keys that hopefully will help you as this Nehemiah story becomes a reality in your week ahead. Is that okay? Just for a few seconds here. And the first thing is this. I want to say to you is be convinced in purpose, not your purpose, his purpose. All right. That's the important thing. We all have our own purposes, but find his purpose. Knowing what you're called to and then doing it with all your heart. I want to appeal to you. Do not buy into the language that says I'm just this or I'm just that. And for those who have maybe been made redundant or needing to find a job, I want to say, to, say this, Lord, I thank you that I'm about your business and your purpose. You are going to give me brilliance of thinking, brilliance of being. You're going to connect me with the right people for such a time as this. Here I am. I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. I thank you that I can have your mind. I thank you, Lord, that I can find you in prayer. And so be convinced in purpose. Be committed in vision. And I say this to myself often, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. Be convinced in vision. Jesus fixed his eyes on the joy that was set before him. But for the beyond, the joy was there, but before that was the cross and the pain and the suffering and the mockery and the scourging. And so be committed in vision. Do not be intimidated. The third thing is be constant in prayer, in season and out of season. It's not an added extra. One of the most disturbing things for me is when I hear, oh, she's an intercessor. No, she's 75. She can't really do anything else. So we'll put her into the intercessor camp. I've got, to, I've got so much I've got to do. We are all called to intercession. And we are all called to prayer. Every single one of us be constant in prayer. That's where we tap into the faithfulness of God. And the final thing is be courageous in the journey. He's the Lord of the journey. Keep fascinated with him. And if you've heard me speak before, you'll also heard me say, God's provision is strategically placed upon the pathway of obedience. And so go on this high adventure with God and know his goodness. And at the end of the day, beloved, our greatest assignment and our one goal needs to be him and him alone. That's it. That's it. One day to hear him say, well done, good and faithful. Well done, good and faithful. And so let's just pray together. Is that okay? We're going to do this really quickly. Time's run out, but I just know that God wants to do this. And I just want to just remind you of the story again. Maybe there's some of you that's building and it's going well. 
But you know what? You've had the enemy come to you in various guises and really at various forms. Say, hey, come down, chillax. Don't bother about all this kingdom stuff. Come to the valley of Ono. And this morning, I feel that God wants you to begin to change that valley into the Ono, onto the mountain of Ono. I will not buy into that low thinking. I will not buy into that valley. I don't care how many times you come against me. I'm not strong in myself, but great is he that is in me. And so, oh no. And so I want to encourage you, if that's you, please, please can I ask you to just stand with me right now and say, this is it. I'm making a decision today. Oh no, I'm not going to buy into that low thinking, that low behavior, that low speaking, I'm not going into that valley. And maybe there's some of you this morning, please, can you stand if that's you? And maybe there's some of you this morning that God has got a great plan and project for you. But it says this in the Word, it says this, that, and Nehemiah said this, but the enemy was scheming. And you know there's been some mischief against you. You know there is. And God wants to give you that resilience in the spirit to be able to stand and having done all, stand. And would you mind just standing with me now if that's you? So let's not wait till the end. If if any of this is speaking to you, let's do it. And maybe there's some of you that you understand the story of the unsealed letters. Maybe you've written some stuff and become offended by stuff. Maybe you bought into more information that the world gives than what the the Lord is saying. It's become a fact that so many people are doing what they call doom scrolling on social media. They go from one doom scroll to the next and it is being proven that this fries our brains. It messes with our thinking. And if that's you, please, can I ask you to stand as well and just say, Lord, I'm not going to have this. And then finally, just those four points that I was speaking about. Maybe there's some of you that need need to re-engage with purpose. Of knowing, God, I'm called by you. Please, can you stand? Feel that God wants to strengthen you and encourage you so that you can begin to do it with all your heart. Thank you, thank you. This is not about me trying to, you know, play around or get people to stand so I feel better about what I've shared. This is about us doing business together. And so lift your heads if you're standing, even those who are sitting. And maybe those you needing to be committed in vision, that you've allowed fears and intimidation to come. And you need God to give you 2020 vision again for your life and for the days ahead. Please, can you stand? Say, God, give me vision. Give me vision. Let me see like you are seeing. Let me not allow fears to hold my heart. And maybe there's some of you, you know, you kind of put prayer on the back burner and I know that's so easy to do. But God's saying, actually, I want to re-engage with you out of relationship. That prayer is the language of heaven. And you don't just pray when things get tough. Prayer becomes part of your rhythm of life. And maybe there's some of you, your arms are gone weak. Just weak hands. You're just feeling weak. I'm going to ask you, 
with that last little bit of strength you've got to stand. But I prayed, Lord, strengthen, strengthen my hands. And I just, from this morning, from the first service, I just felt God was saying, miracle moments. He wants to give us miracle moments. Spirit, soul, and body. So God, we stand before you now. And we are not going to listen to the sand ballots and the Tobiases and Geshams. We are not going to listen to those voices. We are not going to listen to the intimidation. We are not going to buy into the schemes of the enemy. And Lord, I know I can't change circumstances and situations, but I know you can because you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And I just would be, it would be remiss for me to not just encourage you with this one last thing. Maybe there's some of you that have fallen from first love. Revelation, it says this. You've fallen from your first love. You're doing all these great things, but you know what? You've lost the mojo of love. And I want to encourage you to stand and say, Lord, ignite that fire again. That love that is strong and courageous. That love that sustains. And maybe there are people here today or even online who have never asked Jesus into their lives. All that we do, all that the church is because of Jesus. His life and his death and his resurrection. And he would have done it for an audience of one. And we are so loved by Jesus. He's not calling us to be religious. He's calling us into a relationship with him that is eternal. And I'm going to ask you that if you're needing to put him center, front and center, please stand and start on the greatest invention that there is. And so let's just put our hands out to Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you've accomplished here today. We ask for even more, even more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the, your joy that strengthens and sustains us. Rosanna had a word early on, be still and know. All the noise, all the clutter, all the clamor. Be still and know. Not just this information, but deep revelation that I am God and I'm praying for each one of you that we would like to be like those guys on the road to Emmaus where Jesus came and walked with them and it says their hearts burned within them and there was a radical change. A radical change that says the scales came off their eyes. And I'm praying that for every person who's standing and those who are seated and those at home. And so the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may you know his deep shalom, his deep peace, his deep wholeness in your spirit and your soul and your body. It's going to be a good, good day.
Amen. Thank you so much.